Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Mike Rosenberg from Columbia Credit Union. Mike says they trust what they see and hear on OPB, and that aligns with Columbia Credit Union's brand. This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. Two and a half years ago, two cancer people, their words, started a podcast. Stephanie Lejeunesse from Mount Vernon, Washington, and Amy Diles from Portland were both diagnosed with breast cancer when they were 39. Steph has metastatic breast cancer. Amy has completed treatment for stage 2B cancer. They are now 60 episodes into their podcast. It's called Cancer for Breakfast. It is a seamless blend, a back and forth of empathy and science and a ton of humor. Steph and Amy, welcome to Think Out Loud. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. I want to play a short excerpt from the very beginning of your very first episode back in March of 2021, because it started with what to me was a a real surprise. Let's have a listen. Hi. Hi, Amy. Um, Welcome, everybody, to Cancer for Breakfast. My name is Amy. My name is Stephanie. And this is really funny um, to us because we're starting a podcast together as co-hosts. And this is literally the first time we've ever, like, heard each other's voices or had, like, an actual conversation that wasn't via text. Yes. I can see your face moving when you talk. (laughs) (laughs) It's like when I had internet friends in 1996, but I didn't have to buy a train ticket to Philadelphia. Oh my God, it's so funny. I literally thought of that example last night when I was going to sleep. And it's like in literally 1996, when I was talking to Psycho Boy 66 from Arizona on AOL chat. (laughs) And like, I can imagine like my kind of made up fantasy was like him coming to like the Medford, Oregon, Barnes and Noble to meet me at the Starbucks for the first time. Um, I just heard what, what uh, folks listening at home did not hear, which is that Psycho Boy 66 was a real person. Yeah. Hey, um, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you didn't, you'd never been in person. You'd never seen each other. How did no. you know each other? How did you know each other? We have a best friend in common. And as I was getting diagnosed, I was confiding in her and she was being a great support. And she said, this is actually such a great opportunity for me to introduce you to Amy because uh, my best friend lived in Portland at the time, here close to Amy, and they had worked together. And so she introduced me to Amy, and Amy was kind of my cancer doula. Um, cancer people, when they find somebody who's already been through the process that they're just going through, really have this immediately very close relationship. You know, it's somebody that you're telling all of your deepest fears to, um, and somebody who gets it, somebody who's been through it and isn't mm-hmm. going to be freaked out by you saying like, what if I die? Like I couldn't say that to my husband. And so, um, Amy and I were up all hours of the night texting and, um, it was such an immediate best friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, Amy, what do you remember from that early time pre podcast? Just this, yeah. this, this woman for whom you were a cancer doula. Well, she wasn't my first, I, <laughs> but she was my longest, which is really interesting. I think that Chelsea sent her to me um, knowing that I had kind of talked to other people who were being newly diagnosed and um, it would, 
not turn into a really close friendship. It would turn into, you know, what it was. But with Steph, we just kept talking and kept talking and kept talking and not just about cancer stuff. And when we did come up with the podcast idea, we had no idea it was actually going to work so well or take off partially because we'd never spoken to each other. We had no idea if we had chemistry. We had no idea what the other one sounded like. Um, And we just figured, you know, if it isn't good, it'll at least just be fun to chat that way but it was really important to me to not speak to make plans about the podcast um, verbally I was like let's just not have like a zoom meeting to plan this let's just do it yeah because huh. it's f- kind of funny I don't well, know so what I mean Steph what, what were your hopes or dreams even if unvoiced to Amy because she didn't she didn't want them on paper um, but what what were your hopes for it I knew that we had something really special between the two of us, just the way that we bounced ideas off of each other. I think that we are both really good at community building, and that seemed like such an important piece for each of us in our cancer experiences to find somebody that you could really talk to honestly. And um, we did want to build a meaningful community, not just this transient thing that just gets you through breast cancer, you know, the worst of it and then dissipates, but people who can stick together even through their survivorship periods and who remain friends because the entire relationship isn't just based on cancer, but it's based on real community. Um, breast you know, cancer- it's interesting, as you're saying this, it strikes me that community, as you're describing, is very different from audience. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, there are a lot of cancer podcasts out there that have much larger audiences than we do. But I don't think that they necessarily hit the same note that we do with the letters that we get from people just pouring their hearts out to us. Like, we love hearing people's diagnosis stories, but that's what a lot of the other cancer podcasts end up focusing on. And what we want is to be helpful. We want to to get beyond the diagnosis story to what's really at the heart of people's problems in their cancer experience and what they wish they could say to their family members, but they don't feel like they can. Amy, do you remember, I mean, was there a moment when you realized that that a community was developing, that people who were listening to a podcast were responding to what you, the two of you, were putting out into the world and then and joining it and giving of themselves. Yeah. I mean, when the feedback started coming through emails and um, messages and social media and stuff, it, and people that we didn't know or even professionals, that's the biggest compliment to me is when you hear that uh, – oncologist loves the podcast, you know, Steph's oncologist listens to it. My oncologist heard about it, but said she was going to give me the space. But I guess we, one of the, her other patients is a listener and said, I guess I had mentioned my oncologist's name that I didn't even realize that I had, but a listener told her and said, are you Amy's oncologist? Do you see Amy Dials? And I don't know if she could said she couldn't tell or not, probably. <laughs> wink, wink. Um, but she told her about the podcast, so she mentioned it to me, and I was like, you can listen if you want. And she's just like, no, I'll let you have your private space. But Private space with the rest of the world that, yeah. that I will not pay attention to. And I will say also, it's not just for breast cancer patients. It's for all cancer patients. We wanted to do it that way because we didn't want to be so, I guess, pigeonholed to only talk about breast cancer. And because of the cancer experience as a whole, it is just such a surreal thing to be diagnosed with cancer 
especially when you're young. I will say it, we do kind of aim it a little bit to a community of people that are sort of, it is a different bag of junk when you have small children, have no children but would like to have children. There's so much that goes into cancer treatment that can affect your fertility. Um, your career. Your career. Um, dating, mm-hmm. too. And, you know, if you've been reading the news you have probably seen stories about how for people under 40, we call it AYA, um, adolescent, adolescent, young adult, adult, which is essentially yeah. like anyone above childhood cancer to the age of 40. Once you're diagnosed, like, you know, Steph and I were both diagnosed at 39, so we get to be AYA's <laughs> cancer patients for all of eternity because that's when we were diagnosed. So um, it makes us feel very young. Um, but... Essentially, if you go to a support group, especially for breast cancer, it's an older woman's disease, essentially, but these numbers are rising. And if you go to a group or you listen to a podcast or you read a news article, it tends to just not... It skews older. It skews older. And the issues for younger people, it's just... Yeah, it's very different. It's very different. If you're just tuning in, we're talking right now with Steph Lajeunesse and Amy Diles. They're the co-hosts of the podcast Cancer for Breakfast. I want to play an excerpt. I, the first one I, I played at the beginning was the very first 30 seconds of your very first episode. Um, this clip is from the most recent episode, so, so it's sort of bookending um, your entire um, span as podcasters. Uh, let's have a listen. I think I've been affected by the fact that like everybody in the metastatic breast cancer world is dying right now. Um, no. no, it seems to really come in waves, but we've lost some like really important people. Um, Nikki Newman, who was just the coolest, um, very, very positive, which is not a mindset that usually resonates with me Mm -hmm. but just like such a sunny sweet person who showed every single facet of her experience yeah um she was nick knacklu on instagram and she's british um but she just died and then uh libby died Mm -hmm. libby mbc i think is what her tags were on social media yeah and then like some other really important people are not doing well and are kind of at the end of their lines of treatment or have stopped treatment. So I don't know. I think I'm feeling like it might be a bad news scan, but also I feel that every single time who knows. Right. So early on in that clip, um, you say I've been affected by the fact that everybody in the metastatic breast cancer world is dying right now. And then Amy, you say, oh, or not, it's a little bit hard to say, but it's just, it's a kind of syllable of, of empathy, but then you stop and just, and give space. And there's a pause before, before Steph, you, you pick up. I'm curious for both of you, what you think both having cancer, but also doing this podcast, how it has made you approach talking to people who are suffering, talking to people about suffering. I think that um, there is such camaraderie in the cancer experience because it is this huge double-edged sword of if you want support, you have to open yourself up to that part of it, of like, this is why this is awful, you know? 
And it's insanely um, triggering and upsetting everywhere you run into somebody who has died, especially of your type of cancer. Um, But there's no way to shield yourself from it. And there's no way to find community or find support without exposing yourself to the fact that the very person who could be supporting you could be getting bad news, you know, and you kind of have to realize that nobody's cancer is the same. And if something that's happening to somebody else doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen to you. And there's so many different subtypes and treatments and da, 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 da. But it's awful. It's just awful. I think, excuse me, I, I have a little bit of a different perspective as somebody who can't really afford to be as triggered. Um, Right. But what do you mean by that? Well, um, if I spent my entire life being triggered by everything that mentioned death or um, end stage cancer, I mean, like, that's my entire life right now. I mean, not my entire life. I I do have a shockingly normal life for somebody with stage four cancer. But, um, you know, the the fact is, I will unless I I get hit by that bus. Everybody's always mentioning (laughs) I could be hit by tomorrow. It's funny you mention Um, that. I do have tape that references that from oh, your recent episode. We'll hear that in a little bit. But, but go um, on. But I will Teaser. die of this. You know, I'll, I'll die of it and I'll probably die of it within the next five years. And so I can't really afford to just spend my life dwelling on that. But instead, I have come to see it as a real privilege to walk with these people through the end stages of their life. Like, it's a viewpoint that not everyone is privileged enough to have before they are confronted with it for themselves. And it's very hard to watch. Um, But to be let into that space is so meaningful and so intimate. And it's something that happens to all of us. Um, Nobody escapes it. And so to have that inside knowledge before my time comes when it could be really scary for me if I had never seen what it's like to fill out hospice paperwork and have the talk with my kids about how, you know, my last line of treatment has been exhausted. And I've been lucky enough to see that play out with other people I know and see what it looks like, even just as gory as like, death rails and things like that. I want that information so that I can be prepared, so my loved ones can be prepared. And it really is a privilege, I think, to have as much information as possible. And so to see other people's suffering, obviously, I wish they weren't. But I do think that it's a very intimate relationship to have with other cancer people and just with, you know, humanity in general. Hmm. Amy, on that very first episode that I mentioned earlier, you say early on that if if I think these are the basic words, if you had heard about this podcast, a podcast uh, with with two women who are dealing with cancer, that you wouldn't want to listen to it, uh, and, unless you heard more in depth about the tone of it and and, and yeah. what it was going to be like. That, um, but I'm I'm curious if having that sensitivity, that sort of knee jerk reaction, affected the way you ended up making the podcast. Yeah, I was so scared. My treatment was, I guess, about eight months long of, you know, I did the full meal deal, the chemo, I had a few surgeries, um, and radiation. And I was just 
terrified. And, you know, Steph and I were actually just talking about this yesterday, looking back on both of our early days of like getting into telling, coming out of the cancer closet publicly, um, like on social media and stuff. And how we were both so like, you know, my my posts are all just like, I'm going to be okay. Don't worry about me. You know, like I was very like needing to control the thing that is now I'm like, there is no controlling anything about what's happening. But it was really important to me to like not have people treating me like I was should go buy a coffin. Um, and um But I want to say something about Amy, which she never credits herself with. Amy could have ghosted me and it would have been completely understandable because when I was first diagnosed, I was initially diagnosed as an early stage breast cancer and very quickly incorrectly diagnosed incorrectly diagnosed very quickly I was re-diagnosed as having metastatic breast cancer and that is every early stage breast cancer person's worst nightmare right Mm -hmm. like to suddenly be told actually what you have is sort of treatable not curable Mm -hmm. maybe you'll have two to three years which was what they were still telling people when I was diagnosed Um, and she could have she could have abandoned me because it would have been so terrifying to see that play out in somebody that you're close to. Did that happen to you? Yes, yeah. Okay. I was initially misdiagnosed as as having stage two breast cancer, and that's um, very common actually in people with lobular breast cancer because the way that the cancer forms is is different than ductal breast cancer, which is much more common. The um, lobular breast cancer cells form sort of a spider web shape. Whereas the ductal breast cancer cells form in more of a spiral and you get that hard lump that people are accustomed to searching for in their breast tissue. I was wondering about people who said, I'm here for you. And then if they found out the the severity of the diagnosis said, I I love you, but I can't. Um, That's very rare. Mostly they just peace out (laughs) without saying anything. Yeah, I mean, and... There was a time where I was much angrier about it. And now I see that really everybody's probably just doing their best. It is a really scary thing to see someone your age, you know, that um, has young children and and is maybe in your same situation that has this really scary thing. People don't want to look too closely at cancer for fear that they're going to catch it. (laughs) Um, You know, I do think. Oh, go ahead. I do think, though. You know, Steph talking about how scared I was to become metastatic or that my treatment hasn't worked or that I was wrong, incorrectly diagnosed or something, which I still have. I mean, I'm I just hit my four year diagnosis cancer versary. <laughs> um, and I, it, it's like with breast cancer, with my type, which is hormone positive for two negative ductal carcinoma. Um you're, it's not that happy five year. Yeah, you made it to five years. Now your recurrence rates are way low. It's like I could recur in thirteen years. I can, you know, it doesn't. There's no safety and there's no monthly scan. There's no. Um, you basically wait until your bones start hurting and then you get a scan that says now you're incurable, but it's treatable to a degree. But here's your, here's yeah. what's up. Um, but here's I, your coffin. Here's your That's coffin. <laughs> here's the discount code. Here's um, so. But with Steph, I think that it was actually 
it was good for me that you got metastatic cancer. No, oh, um, I'm so happy it was help. interesting because one of my fears about it is I'm a hyper, hyper social person and I get high on meeting new people and connecting and it gives me so much energy and just thinking like if this is my life forever, until the day I die, I am a cancer person. Everyone's going to look at me with this new thing and it's never ever going to be able to lift in this just free way where I just get to be Amy and people will be scared of me people will be scared to get too close or people will be too nice to me or whatever and then when it happened with Steph I was like no I want I love her like I want to know everything about her we're still getting to know each other but I'm still obsessed with her there was no sort of fear it, it's like it made me just think okay well then if that does happen to me like my weird thing in my brain is actually like not true I mean if clearly it is with some people she didn't want to be seen as a cancer person so she started a cancer podcast I know <laughs> Jesus I'm stuck now <laughs> <laughs> I want to play uh, one more excerpt um, this is uh, well let's just have a listen I think it's pretty self-explanatory yeah, my dogs won't leave me alone. So either I am going to die or there's going to be an earthquake. <laughs> you heard it here first. And it might be both. It might be both. Seattle is for kind of a big one. Maybe I'm going to die in the earthquake. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. There you go. Wouldn't that be... That would be so funny. <laughs> Wouldn't it? <laughs> I mean, come on. It would be like a little bit funny if number one, we had talked about it on the podcast. Right. And number two, I have stage four cancer, but I die in an earthquake. That would be wild. Right. Okay. I mean, <laughs> yeah. The only thing that would be better is if I actually got hit by a bus. I know. I thought about that the other day too. When I like saw a bus going by too fast, I was like, that, that would be kind of funny. I, I really thought that. Yeah, because everybody is always like, you could get hit by a bus tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> um, okay. Sorry that. Sorry if that made you uncomfortable, listeners. Um, <laughs> We're leaving it in. Um, I wanted to play that, especially after the last clip, because it, it just to me it, it shows the power of this podcast and and the the trust that the two of you have for each other and for your listeners where you can you can make dark jokes it, it doesn't even seem like you you can it's you 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 can't not mm -hmm. um, but you have the faith in each other that that you know how they will land i'm just curious for both of you i mean how what role humor plays in your lives in the context of cancer oh my gosh it's huge it's huge i feel like um, generally speaking, I'm not a very funny person. Yes, you are. Oh, thanks, babe. Um, but I, I can't not find humor and irony in all of this. I always joke that I breastfed my children for 10 solid years and I got breast cancer anyway. So I'm always like, I want my money back, you brats. Um, just kidding. I don't call them brats. But, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. Life is funny. You, you can't just cry yourself to the grave. I mean, and there are a lot of people who are looking for comedic release and who want to be able to say the dark things, but not be so sad about it. And it's I mean, hard for non-cancer people to laugh with you when you make the dark joke because they're not sure if they're like supposed to or like, 
I know. They're so fun to mess with sometimes because you can like like make a joke and start laughing and then they start laughing. You can be like, what? That's not funny. (laughs) (laughs) The hit by a bus thing is funny because people always do want to say it. It's this uncomfortable way to make light of, you know, well, you never know. You know, you you could get hit by a bus at any time. But it's like, the bus is chasing me. Yes! I'm waking up in the middle of the night going, what if I get, but I have to go to the post office tomorrow. What if there's a bus? What if, you know, like, that's not the same thing. Yeah. And we actually were just talking yesterday about how nobody who gets hit by a bus is ever told by their friends and family, well, you never know. People get diagnosed with cancer all the time, too. You know? (laughs) It's like, what, what, why do we, why do we have to get that? But maybe, though, some of the appropriate response to when people do get hit by a bus could be applied to what could be an appropriate response to a friend or family member who is going through a cancer diagnosis. I can't believe this happened to you. I'm so sorry. Sorry, this happened. This must have been so scary. Like, what what can I do to help? Mm -hmm. Like, could I send you dinner? It must be hard to get up and get dinner right now. You just got hit by a bus. Yeah. But instead, people who are going through cancer get... People are like, did you smoke? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You should try Rick Simpson oil. Do you have a family history? Mm -hmm. That's anyway. so weird. You know, I thought I had breast cancer once, but I just knew it couldn't be me. <laughs> so I know exactly I'm, what you're talking I'm about. I'm a vegetarian. So. Yeah. These are all things you've heard. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Still. A lot. We have a whole episode actually called Hit by a Bus. It's funny that you use that clip. We didn't know what clips you were going to use. But we joke that we'll throw our friends and family under the bus to educate other people's friends and family of things that aren't that helpful to say. And we do it with humor because we do get that everyone's trying their best and nobody's trying to be, you know. Yeah, they're fine. not blowing it on purpose. It's just. It's it's so easy to blow it, though. It is. It's hard. It's not anyone's fault. Steph, Legioness, and Amy Dials, thanks very much for coming in. Congratulations on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us. Amy Dials and Steph Legioness are the co-hosts of the podcast Cancer for Breakfast.